All right, good morning, everybody. Mike Courtney coming to you here from beautiful Horsham, Pennsylvania, our Mass Mutual, Eastern Pennsylvania. Uh, you know, I guess you'd call this our, our headquarters um, where I got my start with Mass Mutual. Happy to be back in the office. I'm joined by Steve Parisi, the president and CEO of IBC Global. Steve, how are you doing today on this beautiful Wednesday? Fantastic up here in the Poconos, Pennsylvania. Had some rain, but it's clearing up, and it's supposed to be a fantastic day today. I'm I'm ready. Yeah, me too. So Steve and I, this is this is a continuation of a previous conversation that we had, where we wanted to dig a little bit into Section 7702, which is causing a lot of product change with uh, some of the life insurance products that we deal with in our industry. It's caused a lot of, I don't want to say confusion, but a lot of my brokers have been, uh, you know, kind of frantically calling me, asking what the changes are going to look like. Where is this going? What does this mean? Um, from a, you know, purely mass mutual perspective, the plan is that all of our products will be repriced and re-engineered by the end of November, 2021. So, so all companies would be required to make these changes by January 1, yeah. 2022. So we're gonna see kind of a flurry of activity um, staggered throughout the year, most likely, you know, towards the end of the year, I think most of these changes will take place. Um, and then we'll see the, you know, we'll see the real result um, I really think a lot of these changes are going to be um, a little more subtle, uh, yeah. but I think it's going to it's going to challenge some of these carriers to create new product or um, you know sidestep a little bit and change their product. Uh, so I think we're going to we're going to see some real some real positive stuff that's going to come out of that. And Steve, you've already seen some of this on the on the bully side, yeah. so maybe you could talk a little bit about about you know how that looks from a product perspective. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think, it, well, it definitely is a sign of what's to come with the retail products, traditional whole life uh, that you and I can purchase or people purchase if they work with us. So um, with the the Boley products to focus on that, I mean, just to dive right into it, um, bank on life insurance, that is a product that banks can purchase cash value life insurance and they're objective is cash value, right? They've got a positive cash value on that on their books day one. Um, we just put a bully in force. What's today's date? We're beginning of April, end of March. And the timing as I reflect back on it was perfect with this change coming into effect because we actually had the opportunity, one, one carrier repriced their bully product to comply with the new 7702 rules and they gave the option. Here's the old product. Here's the new product side by side. So we had an actual case study and sample case studies from the carrier. And the Bowley the product consisted of three different insurance carriers when we placed it. But the focus on this one company, which was is one of the major mutual companies, the key difference is as follows. If I looked at the, if, when I look at the old Bowley product, the guaranteed rate is higher. The non-guaranteed rate is higher. Yet, when they make their deposit into this product, when we looked at the new product, the guaranteed rate 
and the non-guaranteed rate, that crediting rate that's assumed to the product was lower, but the net cash value, the actual internal rate of return was higher in the new product. <laughs> How did that work? That, that's the question. Like people look at that and say, what the heck? Like I've got a lower rate that you're telling me I'm getting, but I've got more money. Right. Like what? what yeah. It, which is completely against the grain if I've got a bank account that's earning 4% compared to 2.5%. So how it worked is with the new product. So when they make a deposit, say it's $100,000 on a 45-year-old male, the old product with that $100,000 deposit will purchase that 45-year-old male employee at the bank, call it $380,000 in death benefit, and they'll have a positive cash value day one. That's the old product. The new product, they make the same 100K deposit. Their death benefit day one with the new product is not $380,000. It's closer to $200,000. That much that of a drop-off. That's the big difference, correct. So the death benefit is significantly less. And when we get into how whole life products will work, uh, just for individual consumers and corporations, if they're looking at traditional policies, the MEC limits are impacted a lot with this new change. But back to the BOLI, old product, 380K. New product with the same deposit from the consumer, the bank, 200K in death benefit. It's closer to 220. Point is, from 380 down to 220, that's a drop. That's a huge drop from a protection standpoint. Yet... The cash values, guaranteed and non-guaranteed, were stronger across the board. So from the bank's perspective or a consumer's perspective, if they look at it and say, all right, well, if we're interested in cash value and the long-term death benefit, by the way, does catch up with a new product, guaranteed and non-guaranteed, it takes like 30 years, but it does catch up. Um, if they're interested in cash value, they look at it and say, well, We've got our cash here. At first, we heard rates were going down. We were kind of nervous. Long-term death benefit catches up. It does. It does. It's a big well, catch-up. It is. I mean, it takes about 30 years. So, I mean, it takes yeah. some time. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it does catch up. Um, but the cash value guaranteed and non-guaranteed is stronger all the way through. That's the big thing. So how that happened, just from an insurance company pricing well, standpoint. you're paying less mortality charges. That's what it is. So they cut their insurance expenses to a greater degree than they cut their guaranteed rate. Do you think that kind of, I mean, that's, you know, 55 to 60% of yeah. the original death benefit. Do you think that's going to that's gonna be comparable to what we're going to see? I wasn't expecting that. Um, I, I would. I would actually expect it to be very comparable. Um, just from the information I've received thus far, some other peers I've spoken with um, that have seen universal life products begin to be disclosed, information shared. They're looking at the, the first thing they do is compare it to the old one, guaranteed and non-guaranteed, and say, all right, I'm looking at the product. The cash values are, are almost the same. The new one's stronger sometimes, even though that rate's lower, but that death benefit is significantly less. So, Yes, I do think we're going to see a similar change there with a drastically lesser death benefit up front. So if I'm just looking to purchase a product and death benefit, getting the best bang for my buck is very important for me, that's where the old one's going to benefit me, what I can get right now. Yeah. If 
you are in a position like a lot of people that you and I work with that say, listen, like the death benefit long term, yeah, it has value. But right now, I don't care. Like cash value, that is my point of interest. Like that's what's drawing me to this product. They're not going to see anything alarming here. They might even be happier with the new product. Um, can't tell now because we can't see them for everyone side by side. But at the same time, I'm not expecting it to be this huge dramatic change. Um, one company has even come out and said, this change is very similar to what we just went through with the uh, 2017 mortality table update. Just a similar size project on a much shorter time frame. So we just got to do it much faster. Um, but that's, that's what they stated. They're like, hey, the guaranteed rates will come down. However, the same death benefit will purchase you significantly or obtain you significantly more mech space, a greater mech limit. How does that, can you put that in plain English? Yeah, so let's take, uh, I'll use a, an example for you, a 50-year-old male. If someone age 50 buys a million-dollar death benefit today, right. his mech limit is going to be $50,000, just about a clean 50K. So what that means is he can pay up to $50,000 per year into that policy and have a non-MEC, have it classified as life insurance, the tax benefits that come with it. That's based on the present laws, present rules. With the new rule, what will happen is that same 50-year-old male, if he takes a policy out with the same $1 million death benefit, he might see $80,000 in MEC space. His MEC limit will be much higher with the same death benefit amount. Does it seem to... All right, I get that, but you're also paying a lot more premium for that million dollars. You are if you're price if you're purchasing it just for a pure whole life product. You see, the the difference is, you know, if you look at going back to policy design, is using that same fifty year old male. If he tells me, "Hey, I don't care about the death benefit, Steve," or I do, but right now it's just not my main objective. I want a policy where I have the ability to pay in $50,000 per year and I want to pay the least amount of possible, least amount of money possible. How we'll design that policy is money can go toward the premium or the PUA component. So I'm going to design the policy with a death benefit of $1 million, not for a million bucks, but that gives them a 50K mech limit. So that means that million dollar death benefit is as low as I can push it so he can then put in $50,000 per year. I still want it classified as life insurance by the IRS. So now with this new rule, let's say he purchased policy later this year or next year with the new rules and he says, hey, Steve, $50,000 per year is how much I want to pay into the policy. Well, at that point in time now, I'll still design the policy with a minimum premium call it five grand, everything else going into PUAs, but I might only need, or I will only need six to $700,000 in life insurance to get that $50,000 MEC limit. Okay. So that's where that mortality charge is sliced. And now all of a sudden the guaranteed rate is lower. Yes. But the net guaranteed values and the non-guaranteed values, like I am not expecting a, a big change just from everything I've seen thus far. Um, I mean, We'll see, but I mean, every product that it has- It seems like IRRs would be higher. 
they have with with Boley, they have been. And just from the information I've received from some carriers disclosing a little bit on their universal life products, that's the case too. You know, it's funny. There's a lot of concern in the market from insurance carriers, always ongoing concern about, um, you know, how the buildup of cash value is treated from a tax perspective and, you know, the, uh, tax advantaged nature of cash accumulation inside a life insurance policy. It seems like these changes are promoting more oh, yeah. cash accumulation inside a life insurance policy. Like if that's, you know, keep it in mind for anybody who's listening, we haven't seen these changes. These products have not been changed yet. Um, we're speculating. Uh, the Bowley change is a real real life change that that has already happened um, that Steve's referring to. And then we're just kind of speculating that the individual products are, are gonna be similar or follow suit. But that's kind of, you know, that, that does fall in line with, with what I've heard. Um, uh, it seems like a, it's a, I'm having trouble wrapping my mind around well, where that's going long-term. Yeah, no, no, that, that's a great point because when this first came came out or was announced, uh, because the law went to effect Janu- January first, twenty twenty one, nothing's available yet because companies got have to scramble to update their product. Um, quick side note: if one purchases a policy in twenty twenty one based off the old rules, they'll likely, with most carriers, have the option to update that product to comply with the new contract language once they see it. I've seen that, yeah, from almost every carrier. Um, now, again, let's wait till carriers actually say it before we just say, yeah, you could do it, <laughs> but, but I'm expecting that. Um, but on your point, as far as the concern with cash value buildup and the IRS looking at, hey, you know, over the years there've been, there's been talk about taxing cash value buildups build and such. The IRS did state when this change went into effect over the next 10 years, they expect to lose $3.3 billion in tax revenue just from this change alone, talking about life insurance sales. So they're viewing it, hey, we're going to take a hit by making this change, but advocates of the insurance industry, what's happening in the low interest rate environment, more or less said, hey, like we got to make a change. That 4% guarantee, that was pegged back in the 1980s. Things were a lot different back then than they are now. I wasn't even born. I was born in 88. So, I mean, (laughs) but things were a lot different from an interest rate perspective. Like companies have been struggling. So this loosens the vice grip so they can operate and continue to do what they've done for the past so many years. You mean that they expect to take a hit on tax revenues because these changes will be favorable for the insurance business and more people will be you know, kind of funneling dollars into into cash oh. accumulation. Oh yeah, I, I mean, there's gonna it's gonna build more awareness, and people are gonna shove money into these products, kind of like they did pre pre MEC laws. Yeah, you know, the MEC law came out because too many people are going to life insurance, um, and when the MEC law was announced, it benefited Wall Street more than than anyone else, just from the research I've done. Um, this 
brings it a step back where life insurance definitely has an edge, whole life specifically. UL a little bit, this actually evens out the playing field a bit just from a cash accumulation standpoint. Um, and this just comes, what I'm saying now comes from a discussion uh, with the actuary that we work with. When you really look at how products work, I mean, this gives whole life actually a, a nice edge that it didn't have all this time. So it, it helps in a lot of ways, which is sweet. Wonder what happens with, with IUL over the next, you know, like my just being such a believer in whole life and, um, you know, I've had some issues with, with IUL in general, and you know, kind of projected performance versus actual performance and yeah. how the products are engineered and how complicated they are and how much is going on behind the scenes. It doesn't really seem sustainable, but it's not realistic to think that, you know, like in my mind over the last year or so, I really thought there was a kind of a reckoning or like an Armageddon coming with regards yeah. to IUL. But, you know, the folks that are running these companies that promote the, the best of the best IUL products. I mean, you know, they're, they're, they're not just rolling over and saying, all right, our, our time is up. I mean, they're, they're going to do something to engineer um, profitable and competitive products. So, you know, I wonder how, how this plays for the, for the IUL players. Yeah. You know, it's a good question. I don't, I don't know. Um, my, my knowledge around IUL is not, not that vast. And I'll admit that. I mean, I, know the basics but yeah yeah i'll stop there <laughs> um <laughs> with, with that said i mean the one thing i've seen that is just complete ugh, mumbo jumbo um i think it's just more so by marketers when they'll come out and say <laughs> the guaranteed rate on whole life products is coming down that's been whole life whole life's insurance you know really you know foundation all this time now it's coming down and it levels the playing field between whole life and iul that's just complete marketing sales it's like without digging into the the research or actually doing the research like no when you look at the actual products like that that's not the case the net guaranteed values will be stronger on the products because insurance expenses are cut like you gotta you gotta research before you go out and promote something but anyway well and we talked before about you know i know People love guarantees and yeah. it's important to have guarantees. Uh, reality for me talking about um, mutual companies and whole life all day long. Uh, I have minimal conversations about the guaranteed side of the life. Yeah. You know, um, mm -hmm. it's just not, um, you yeah. know, it's important, but it's important as a, as a fail safe, you know, world goes to hell in a handbasket. I want to know I've got this guarantee in place, but um, real life, uh, you know, hasn't come into play. That's that's the thing. I mean, you're you're 100 percent correct. I mean, when you look at the guaranteed values with life insurance policies, they've always done better. When you look at the top top carriers, they've operated in a non guaranteed environment just with their expenses and their rates. For the past, I think it's been 150 years. It's like, okay, like they've always done it. So I, I, I'm with you. You know, where I like looking at the guarantees is more so just to, to really attest a properly designed policy. Just because with creativity, um, you know, we can take a policy and design it where based on the guaranteed cash values, we're breaking even and have a positive cash value between years five and six. 
And when someone has been exposed to whole life insurance and they've seen their ledgers and non-guaranteed values break even or not see positive cash value for 10 to 12 years, and then they hear that in the guarantees, like, wait, what? What are this guy just making stuff up? But then when you actually see it, like, okay. And it sort of starts to bring the conversation up more on policy design and how to design it in a similar manner to what corporations and wealthy individuals have done for a long time. It's just shining a light on that area. Have you heard of any, you know, like I said, mass, um, mass mutuals products are scheduled for November of this year Yeah, um, to see these changes. Have you heard of anybody that's like, that sounds like they're going to be more of an early, um, early change? Yeah. Um, mostly on the, the universal life side, as far as products coming out sooner. Um, Securian and Emeritaz has disclosed a little bit of information as far as, hey, some of our universal life products will be coming out soon to, based with based on the new 7702 change. In respect to whole life, um, nothing, nothing solid there. Um, I'd expect everybody closer to the end of the year. Yeah. Guardian came out and said uh, just in a memo that you can expect these changes to, to or to start seeing these changes the second half of 2021, which yeah. could be between June and December. That's um, fourth quarter. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's the, the same thing with masks, which is, you know, perfectly fine. It, it kind of is what it is, how I view it. It's just continue to educate people and know you have the option. If you purchase the old product now, but yeah, you're kind of, yeah, you can likely switch it over. Um, every company that I've talked to that has progressed for, far enough, they said, yeah, you, you can do that if it was purchased in 2021 when the new law was passed. All right. So let's, uh, you know, we'll keep everybody posted as we go along, we'll keep having this conversation as we see real changes or, or get updated information. Um, that was good to know. Uh, you know, I've been trying not to focus too much on this stuff. I think I told you before that yeah. when, when section 7702 first went into effect, and was announced with like just kind of um, general framework of what it was going to look like. I got a flurry of calls. I got a lot of inquiries. Um, I tried to push back with like, hey, let's, you know, we're not going to see this until the end of this year. Um, let's try and focus on what's in front of us today. As I, I, I don't like to get caught up in, um, you know, kind of endless speculation when, wow. Yeah. yeah, I've got a lot to do, you know, yeah. I'm trying to get business done today. I'm with you. You know, I, I heard a quote once that 92% of the of fears that we have don't even come true. Yeah. So, I mean, usually you get those calls. Like, oh, what's going to happen? Uh, it's going to go horrible. What am I going to do? I had a couple of those calls where it was like, this is the end. <laughs> I don't know. So I just you know, take a deep breath, whatever it, <laughs> things, things are going to change. But at the end of the end of the day, how you react and how you run your business, people are going to see that they're going to want to work with you at whoever the, the agent or broker is like, just, just remain calm. And that's a relief for your clients, but it will be okay. Changes have occurred before. Um, some out there say, get in right now to the old products because it's going to be horrible. The same thing happened with the mortality table update. Like, yeah, just wait for the data, what's it actually look like, and then make an informed decision. That's what the big players do. Copy them. 
you know? And even just the basics of, you know, I mean, you and I all day long are talking to people about family planning, about business planning. We don't plan around insurance product changes, you know? (laughs) Like that's not a reason to, to buy or not buy a product. I know that, you know, if there's a change happening, a pricing change, a lot of times we'll go out and try, you know, say like, you know, now is a good time to lock into this old product. I get that, but you know, good general planning should not be scurrying around trying to uh, anticipate what an insurance carrier is going to do and make your decision based on that. I mean, you, you know, you got to follow some basic building blocks. Yeah, I, I fully agree. And they're going to remain profitable. They're good at that no matter what. And they're going to remain, they're going to make sure their policyholders remain profitable. If they completely kill their product and things are horrible, like you're going to see it and nobody's going to buy it anymore. So like it's still going to be something competitive that's attractive. That's a, that's a good planning tool. That's a good growth tool and, and long-term tool. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you know, stay calm, kind of see what it looks like as it comes out and everything will be okay. Yep. Yeah. All right. We'll continue this conversation as, as, as more, um, you know, more carriers develop uh, new products and we see, you know, any kind of changes. If anybody has any specific questions, you know, I always say, if you're looking for, uh, you know, if you're an advisor, an independent advisor, and you're looking for a good home, somebody who can uh, really drive some lead flow and, and teach you how to plan with cash value life insurance, Steve Parisi is your guy. If you're looking for Mass Mutual, Life DI, long-term care, fixed annuity solutions, I'm Mike Courtney, I'm your guy. Yeah. And if you just have general questions about anything we talked about today, feel free to, to reach out to either one of us and you know we'll keep this going throughout the year and and uh you know we'll see uh we'll see what the effects are i'm, I'm looking forward to good things should be fun i'm with you yeah. thanks so much mike all right thanks steve all right thank you